Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I'm here with the Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, but if I have to watch another Madonna self-quarantine video, I might just go over the edge. <laughs> yeah, a lot <laughs> of weird sticking forks in your eyes. A lot of weird shit going on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are we going to talk about today, kids? Um, we're going to talk about the stimulus package that just passed. I think we all got a lot to say about that. Um, corona. Again, we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to add in a little bit of theories and stuff that Corey um, wants to speak about. Uh, uh, Sharpie's uh, Nygaard dig, Maduro, and uh, a few other little tidbits that we're going to chuck in there. So what are we starting off with, girls? I'm going to start off with stimulus package. Yeah, sure. So this whole thing has been just quite a debacle. (laughs) Over the past several days. Put it nicely. I was about to go through the freaking roof the last 24 hours. Yep. (sighs) Yeah, it's been a mess. I think that they probably had literally a few minutes to review the final version of the bill because it went back and forth between House and Senate. Throughout the day on Wednesday, they voted on Wednesday night. It did pass. Um, so a lot of people are upset about what's in the bill. There's some good things and there's some bad things, um, in the bill, but it did pass on Wednesday night. Um, so I thought it might be beneficial to just kind of go through it. Um, and it just, it's just pretty interesting. Do they just have this bill sitting in the drawer or what? Cause they, they wrote that up pretty quickly. 1,100 pages. Yeah, they did. I think the final version ended up being somewhere closer to like 900 pages. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that to have that <laughs> written up in that amount of time, yeah, it's like they, they had it sitting sitting in the drawer waiting, right? This whole damn thing's been planned, but we'll get into that. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just, have to, I'll just keep biting my tongue through this whole thing. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to start with the positives and the things that actually affect us and make a difference in our personal lives. So the $2 trillion stimulus bill that did pass in the Senate on Wednesday night, it uh, did have a $250 billion allotted for direct payments to individuals. Many Americans are going to get checks of about $1,200 for individuals. That's for anybody making $75,000 or less. And then also for couples, it would be $2,400 if, you, if the couple makes $150,000 or less. Plus, there's an allotment for $500 per child. Um, that is going to be coming out in checks pretty soon, I believe, early April. Um, so, and I know I'll take heat for this, but pennies pennies that's all i gotta say about oh that. it's not it's it's nothing it's not enough but yeah it's it's, <clears throat> it's a joke it's like an insulting little handout but anyways go ahead yeah Bite your tongue cory jesus i'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> i just know where the billions and billions and well trillions are going and it's 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 a joke so yeah it's frustrating what was that? did you say it was did you say two hundred and fifty million? Was it no two hundred and fifty billion is going in direct payments to individuals and couples and families. Uh, Three hundred and fifty billion is going to small business loans to keep people on payroll um, in the interim. Um, that's three hundred and fifty billion for small business loans. We've got two hundred and fifty billion going to unemployment unemployment insurance benefits. That's in addition to unemployment that people may already have. So for the average person who is currently on unemployment, it would be about $600 more per week. And that would be for uh, up to four months. Okay. Okay. Then we've got $500 billion in loans for distressed industries. Now, that would be, for example, the airline industry um, and other companies. 
then we've got 10.5 billion going to the Department of Defense. Now this is supposed to be for things like deploying the National Guard and investing in research and development for vaccines and antiviral medications. By then we I know, I know. I know you're like, "Oh, <laughs> vaccines." Um then we've got a hundred billion for the hospital industry to buy the supplies they need. We know we know that there's a shortage on ventilators, masks, uh, etc. Then we have twenty-five billion allotted for food assistance, like SNAP. Okay, so those are some of the I guess you would put in the pros category or things that are going to directly affect the coronavirus and people. Um, directly. So quick note on the SNAP. Originally when they were talking about including that in, they were talking about loosening the restrictions and removing um, the, the, what was it? Wor like workers requirements? Because I know a few people were asking about that. Do you, do you know if they ended up removing that or not? I don't um, know, but maybe I can check into that while you guys are talking about something else in a second. I can kind of circle okay. back to that, yeah. see if I can find out. It's been kind of hard to find, uh, you know, people are still digging through this final version of the the bill because uh, there's been several versions floating around. So uh, it's been kind of hard to decipher um, and, and figure out what exactly is in the final version. So I don't think we got the final version until like 10 o'clock last night or so. Yeah. yeah, like an it's hour crazy. before they voted on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, right. All right. Okay, so, give us give us the cons. All right, so the cons. That's just <laughs> such an appropriate word. <laughs> a lot of a lot of pork in this bill. Still, even though they cut, they did trim it down uh, in order to get an agreement. They it, there's still a lot of pork, which people are are pissed about. Uh, so That's how it should be. Right. So we've got $350 million going for refugee and migration assistance. $10 billion to prop up the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, we've got uh, $25 million going to the Kennedy. What does that even mean to prop up the Postal Service? Mm, I guess it's like loans for the Postal Service. It's already, you know, insolvent anyways. So it's just because I'm, I'm trying to envision how they've been impacted by this or why they need this. Um, I'm trying to work out why migrants need 350 million, but whatever. You're trying to look at what? We're trying to figure out why migrants need 350 million. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I have something to say on that later on, too. So, more news that dropped. You guys might not have seen this one yet, but go ahead. All right, so we got $25 million going to the Kennedy Center for Performing Arts in Washington, D.C. Uh, That's so freaking necessary right now. Lots of money going to the arts. Um, $75 million to the National Endowment of Arts. $75 million going to the National Endowment for the Humanities. 60 million going to NASA, 250 million going to the IRS, and con after con after con. Yeah. Why do we need 75 million to go to the arts right now? Why is that urgent? No idea. In which arts? I'd like to see exactly how that's being dispersed mm -hmm. and then 75 million going to public broadcasting like pbs and npr well and we still have i believe i did a quick scan on the newest one that you know the final version and it still had nestled in there 30 billion to um for higher education to the colleges schools and all that good stuff yep that was still in there, right? Yep, yep. They are, they are still in there. They, they did so, take out the the election one thing. They, so they, they did, did take that out. But, but let me just point out on the schools thing because I don't think people know this. Uh, most people probably don't know this because it's not something you hear a whole lot about in the news. Back in 2017, <clears throat> when Trump did the tax cut, one of the ways he shifted some money around here was he imposed the first ever excise tax at 1.4% on net investment income at private colleges and universities. 
So because they get, they get millions and billions in endowments and they've never ever been taxed on this. And as you know, USAID, our wonderful taxpayer dollars go, get shelled out to these universities as well. So that was imposed in 2017. I believe it took effect in either 2018 or 2019. And so I'm looking at this going, okay, and now we're kicking 30 billion right back. I see how this works. The, the, the colleges and universities, they were like the first ones to close their doors when this all, I believe they closed their doors before K through 12 even closed their doors. So uh, I, I have to go back through the bill and read, you know, the exact language of it. But I do remember seeing in there about, um, you know, for funding for helping prevention of coronavirus to the students and yada, yada, yada. Well, what students? They've been closed. So what do they need $30 billion for? I mean, it's just, it's such a joke. It is. It's ridiculous. I'm just looking right here, trying to find out that update on SNAP and if they've mm. changed it. Yeah. Well, and they also had in there, and I'll have to read the details on this, but they had $90 million snuck in there towards HIV AIDS as well. Mm. So, uh, what, $25 million in the house pay rises? I mean, this is, this is why it's taken them so long to get okay. this done. Which is disgusting. It's totally disgusting. It, it does say the Families First Coronavirus Response Act of 2020, which is the bill that we, we've been talking about, provides the Secretary of Agriculture authority to approve state agency plans for temporary emergency standards of eligibility and levels of benefits under the Food and Nutrition Act of 2008, the SNAP Act. So Okay. So the, I think it's going to be based on the state agency, what their plans are, but the, okay. uh, then it goes to the Secretary of Agriculture, who has the authority to approve those. And so, yes, it looks like they are going to be more lenient as far as eligibility for um, the SNAP program. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, and one note. On the um, on the ballots, I know it got removed from there. Everyone was having a complete meltdown over that, as was I, um, because my first vision was, oh, I can see Alyssa Milano just driving around in a freaking caravan, you know, picking up everyone's ballots. And so they got that removed. But make no mistake, these people are sneaky. They will try and slip that in to a future bill. So all eyes need to be on bills. They always pull that. Oh, yeah. I heard today or Wednesday that Nancy Pelosi is already talking about like a second and a third. I mean, like this is just the, the beginning, you know. Well, yeah, this is considered the, the third phase of the, you know, stimulus package. And there's going to be more. That's what they've been telling us all along. So, right. Uh, yeah, I know. We're just going to have to constantly keep our eyes on these. Yes, we are. And so but not this, that we have much control over it, but it's but, nice to be in the know. But see the the thing with this is, is that like yeah, I I don't like it. It's 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 not a good bill with the rest of the shit that has been thrown in it. But what's he gonna do in this situation? He's really got his back against the wall. I mean, if he rejects it, then they go after him attacking him that he's not giving out payments. It's a really it's a real hard political situation to navigate. It is. And they know that. They know that, that he's going to look bad either way, that not everybody is going to be pleased. In fact, I don't think anybody's actually pleased with what's, you know, with this bill or what's happening. Because this entire thing is a money grab. It is. The entire thing. This whole event is about destroying our economy, creating a one world governance, creating a precursor to a vaccine that they would like to make mandatory. Um, all of them duking it out over this, the, the drugs that they don't want, the, the wonderful aquarium hoax, right speaker. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll push on that. But like that, that they've been pushing propaganda on him massively during this crisis, but we expected it. I mean, it, it, every day it's something new. I mean, the other day uh, we had Trump talk about uh, this chloroquine, I think is how you pronounce it, um, mm -hmm. that he says is is helping in some trials. And then you have a, a couple in their 60s that go and drink fish tank cleaner 
which has uh, this drug in it, but it's it, it's not in a medical profession. But like, you don't just go drinking fish tank cleaner, right? But of course, they 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 threw that on Trump, try to blame him for this uh, this one guy's death and his wife seriously injured. Well, here's yeah. a good example. So, you know, if, uh, and I read someone really clever on Twitter wrote this, that, you know, if you have no clean water, it's recommended to put, you know, maybe like a drop or two of bleach in um, the water to purify it. If you have no other way of purifying water, this isn't recommended for anybody to just do recreationally, but just if you're in a, in a survival situation. Um, that doesn't mean you go and grab a bottle of bleach and start drinking it. 100%. You know? Right. I mean, these things um, can be dangerous if you take them at the wrong amount, if you take them without any kind of doctor's supervision. Um, th- that doesn't mean that the drug itself is dangerous. It means that you're not following the procedures correctly. Listen, we don't even know if that's what he actually died of. We don't really know because these people create, I mean, just look at <clears throat> Jesse Smollett. We look at these stories where they create and they fabricate these things. And if, if he died, I'm sorry, uh, that's awful. What a, but also what a very ignorant thing to do if that is the case. But immediately when you see media push this and use it um, to alter things such as, wasn't it the governor of Nevada saying he's going to sign or already put in some executive order, like refusing to allow people, you know, this drug in their state. Yeah. Because of that incident. Yeah. Yeah. So these stories are used to prop, you know, they prop these up so that they can then take appropriate action. It's absurd. And all the media follows. So as soon as you see a flood of media doing that, I question the original story. Hmm. But it's that, they're trying to attack him on everything at the moment, which we all expected. We all knew it. And despite that, even their own polls are showing that at least 60% are happy with the job that he's doing. I mean, it's not an easy job that you got given here. All right? um, and not everyone's going to be happy with it at the end of the day. But we also had the media come out today and say, you know, uh, it's been how long since this thing started. Trump hasn't gone to any hospitals and stuff like that. And, and you're like, well, if he goes to hospitals, you're going to say he's not practicing social distancing, right? <laughs> and if he doesn't go, you're going to say he does is not going. So it's it's just like it's such a stupid trap. Look, you can yeah. figure out exactly what is going to work, what is going to be successful by what the media is attacking. If the media is attacking hydrochloroquine because Trump said that it's possibly going to be effective and that it's showing, you know, early signs of good results. Then you and the media goes after it and says that this is so dangerous. And they even prop up this ridiculous story of a couple who without any uh, doctor supervision decided to drink fish tank cleaner. And they're using that as a reason why we now can't use hydrochloroquine um, in combination with other drugs um, as a life-saving, potentially life-saving drug for coronavirus, then you know there's something to it. Same thing goes yeah. with these with these um with these um daily briefings that Trump's doing and the sixty percent approval rating, it must be working, it must be getting out to the public. People see what Trump's doing and it's effective, so much so mm-hmm. that CS CNN, MSNBC, all these major outlets don't even want to air them anymore. Yeah, well because because right. here's the truth of the matter. They want this death toll. They want it to be as bad as possible, right? Because that's what these people are. Why? To hurt their political opponent. And that's just the truth, right? They don't give a shit. They don't care about people. No, they want vaccines. So how do you create mandatory vaccines? I was talking with my friend the other day, and she said, well, they can't force us. They can't make us take vaccines. I said, are you kidding me? Look at the mandatory vaccines for children program. They've been doing it for years in the schools, dude. Your kid can't go to school unless they're vaccinated, you know, with the exception of various, you know, exemptions in some states that that has been a constant battle, as we've seen. And I said, they can force adults. Look at the healthcare industry. You cannot work in the healthcare industry unless you get the flu shot. 
So how do you convert and get millions of people, adults, to take a vaccine? One, you instill an enormous amount of fear and panic so that they fear death so much, they're going to get in line for those vaccines. The second thing you do is you try to crush small businesses. Why? Because once you do that, then people have to get back to work and they're going to go work for the bigger corporations. And how easy would it be for them to create laws saying, adults need to have these mandatory flu shots. We're going to do a two-in-one. It's going to cover the coronavirus now as well. And by the way, you cannot work for our corporation unless you get vaccinated first. And lo and behold, everyone suddenly has to get vaccinated or they can't get a job unless they're lucky enough to keep their small business going. I'm saying there are ways these people are manipulating things to try to lead to that. They're already getting the billions of dollars to produce it. So this drug, and if you listen to wonderful Dr. Burks, she'll tell you that what we're working on right now is treating the symptoms right now. We are just in phase one of this virus, as she talks to us all like we're five years old. And then they're working on a vaccine, of course, for prevention. They're not going to let go of that because this could come back again in the fall or it could come back again next year. So we're all going to need to be vaccinated. So this is where they're heading that's what they want. You can tell how disappointed they are about the hydrochloroquine. They're like, oh, yeah. they're like, like, dang like, it, it's like, ruining our vaccination plans. Like go, mm-hmm. go, going back to that school thing, Corey, it's like they love slipping things in, especially in primary school, I've noticed, especially with shots and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I like, I know a personal story of mine, it's got nothing to do with vaccines, but I remember we had like uh, these police uh, people come in one day to teach us in class. I was in like grade six, I think. And they were like showing us what they do and stuff like that. And then came time for everyone to get their fingerprints taken. Right. And it had like the name on top of the list and shit like that. And my curiosity of mine and like year six is like, I don't want to do this. Right. I, right. I don't know why, but something was just setting off alarm bells, even at that age for me. I was like, right. This doesn't make sense, right? So I like I excused myself. I didn't get it done. Um, <laughs> but, but they had like everyone's fingerprints on a sheet with their name, and at the end of the session, they took all the sheets away, right? Of and course, like, come on, man. Sneaky. Like this, and then like I, I didn't know why at the time. I couldn't really put it together, but I was uncomfortable with it. But then like years later, I was like, it clicked, and I was like, you bastards. <laughs> and, and your parents <laughs> probably didn't even know this was taking place in the no, school. No, they didn't. They didn't. Unreal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that was just a personal story of mine. It clicked when I was about like 20, though. I was like, wait a second, now I know why they did that shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, and the other thing is this this Hollywood thing. So, I just released uh, a couple days ago an article I did called Dear Diary, I Am Observing. And, And I cover a lot of different angles on what I'm just referring to as the virus event. Um. One of the things, so, so what I'm observing is that Hollywood is doing what Hollywood does. They're trying to control a narrative. They're trying to steer a narrative. They're trying to deglamorize themselves and make themselves seem like common folks and that they're so relatable. And the people that idolize them are feeling more scared and, oh my God, if they're breaking down and they're scared and everything, then, you know, it validates their own feelings of fear and it's just total fear mongering and and it's absurd. And then they're also throwing in dashes of symbolism because Donna will tell, Madonna will tell you in her own words, she likes to F with people, literally. So, They'll throw out their symbolism because they know the whole other group that's fully aware of their nefarious dealings with children and whatnot are going to jump on that. And get, so, so they're creating all these distractions. But, but in the mix of all of this fear-mongering and distraction, everyone's missing a timeline here. So Tom Hanks was the first public figure that came out on March 11th to you know, big public figure that came out. Prior to that, it was all two more people here. Three people here got got coronavirus. Ten people over here got it. It's always people, people, people. 
And then all of a sudden, boom, Tom Hanks. And literally, I think it was like 32 minutes later, the NBA shuts down the season. And then the next day, 33 states jump on board and say, we're closing our schools. And Hollywood shuts its door. And then the next day, Trump declares a national emergency. Netflix closes its door. And it was just a whole snowball effect after that. So that tying in and going back to whether it was a bioweapon, whether it was an animal, whether it was deep state releasing this, whether it was deep state with China releasing this, the fact of the matter is there's, you look at event 201 and, and uh, you know, the pandemic movie and just all these other things over the past few years. And there are so many signs there, including Hollywood to show that there's, this was planned to some degree. Well, and well, like in it, that contagion movie, the one that you were just talking about, it's eerily similar to what's going on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we know they do that with yeah, their movie. Well, we, we, we know they do that. But, yeah, I, I recommend everyone watch it and just you will see the, the it, it's a of what's happening now. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and so they've taken and they've, they've weaponized this, but I do believe this is like a precursor. I mean, you got, you got God, it was just like a couple days ago, uh, Scarborough tweeting out, a quote out of a New York Times article saying like 2.2 million Americans could die from this. And, and then like a week or so ago, Thomas Fryden, former CDC director going on Tucker Carlson saying a million people could die from this. And the whole time I'm just like, I'm just mm, wanting to jump through the screen at these people because of the intense level of fear mongering, knowing these numbers would never hit that, never even come close to that. And you even got, colleges and whatnot putting out stats you know just it's just such fear-mongering and it's all all part of their goal to again scare people so that when a vaccine comes out like candace owens did a tweet she did a poll the other day i don't know if you guys saw that saying if they develop a coronavirus vaccine would you you know, and then it was like, I would definitely take it. I don't know, maybe, or, or, you know, hell no. And I could not believe, what was that? Hard pass. Right. And I couldn't believe though, at the last time I had looked at it, there were like 20,000 people that had taken the poll and like 30% of people were saying they would get in line to take it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what they've done to people with all of this immense fear mongering. It's, it's, uh, they've literally, there was no need to, there was no need to like close everything down, shut all, all of our businesses down, pull people out of work. Look, they could have isolated this to the elderly and those that take care of the elderly. You know, like if you're living with your parents or you're down the street from them and you have to spend a lot of time caring for them that whole group of people okay to protect them keep them safe and but the, the rest of the rest of the world could have kept working and not crashed the economy right and this the people all- with pre-existing conditions that would are vulnerable right yes yes but yes other than that yeah yeah exactly yeah it's it's a huge huge money grab we all saw this coming well you it's have to just, just look at who stands to benefit and it just seems like yeah when you look at it um who who stands to lose who stands to benefit so if they can crash the economy if they can in any way um lower trump's approval if they can um kill people i mean let people die elderly from this um it all comes down on trump's shoulders and mm-hmm. makes it more difficult for them or for him. And then for them, um, if they can produce some sort of huge stimulus package and try and slip in, um, you know, election fraud um, statutes in the bill that are going <laughs> to make it easier for them to commit election fraud by mail-ins mm-hmm. and, you know, all of this, which they did try to do. But in the, the final version, I think they actually took that out. 
but it looked, it just shows yeah. you what their intentions were. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, if they can, if they can do, use this in any way to their advantage, they're going to. And I think that probably is the, the whole reason why this disaster was released on the world to begin with is, was for destabilization, um, to, um, take Trump down to take down, uh, America as far as, you know, the, the whole MAGA movement, uh, and, uh, try to get it back to what you were saying, Corey, which was the, uh, new world order plan, um, and get that back into gear. And to put people in submission. So here's what we're witnessing. Rulers all across the world right now have managed to put people in submission. Think of that. Think of the power behind that. I mean, there's, so I just did, I just did a two day road trip, as you guys know. And it was interesting. I went through five states. Uh, I stayed at a hotel in one. I stopped at gas stations. I went through drive throughs. I was observing everything and everyone wherever I went just to see how people were reacting, what was going on. There actually was not, I wasn't, with the exception of one gas station stop, there was a guy that was in line, but he was standing like eight feet away, you know, keeping his distance. And I only saw a couple people out there wearing gloves. Um, it was, uh, there wasn't fear. There were cars on the road, uh, maybe a fourth the amount of traffic as usual. Obviously, a lot of truck drivers moving supplies and whatnot. But overall, it, because I think what happened is like a lot of people are told to sit in their homes and then they're in their homes and they maybe only drive down the block to get some groceries and then they come back and they have this like visual in their head of like the whole country just shut down, you know, and it's not the case. There's a pulse out there. I mean, you talk to people, you get off social media and you talk to people and, and <laughs> I had about a 10 minute conversation with a lady from the grocery store when I finally got home. And she was saying, oh my God, it was ridiculous. A week ago, it was just mayhem in here. Well, my grocery shopping experience yesterday was just blissful. There was like 30 people in the whole store. Like, I'm down with this. But she was just telling me, you know, that, yeah, people just went really off the rails in a panic. And now this week, it's been really calmed down. And I think that probably has a little something to do with Trump stating that he might, you know, he would like to see everyone back to work by Easter. And I think maybe that kind of settled people a little bit. Um, we'll have to see if that happens. I mean, if it doesn't, he, it's majorly going to screw our economy. Right. And you I know? think that sure did, um, whether it happens or not, that comment and that confidence that he has, sure did help the markets. Uh, sure did help our retirement plans, you know, so um, that was not a terrible thing to do, although he got crucified for it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. They attacked him really hard for it. Of course they did. He'll get crucified for anything, so, you know. This is true. But listen, there's a couple of pieces of info that came out in the last 24 hours. I don't know if you guys saw or not. So, the, the Politico, I haven't had a chance to read this yet, but Politico came out with this article today. Um, regarding, it's literally called a playbook. So that was put together by the Obama administration in 2016. And it's a 69 page national security council playbook on fighting pandemics. And it was given to the Trump administration. And uh, just, just a short little paragraph here. So, but Trump's aides were told to expect a potential pandemic ranging from a tabletop exercise that the outgoing Obama administration prepared for the president's incoming aides to a crimson contagion scenario that health officials undertook just last year and modeled out potential risks of a global infectious disease threat. Trump's deputies also have said that their coronavirus response relies on a federal playbook, specifically referring to a strategy laid out by the Centers for Disease Control. It is not clear if the administration's failure to follow the NSC playbook was the result of an oversight or a deliberate decision to follow a different course. So this is their plan of attack because, um, and, and, and isn't that interesting that that was laid out for them in 2016? So, <laughs> like, oh, just the setups here. 
So it, it gets announced that I think this was just announced on the 25th, the Washington Examiner covered this, that the HHS Inspector General is investigating the Trump administration's response to the coronavirus outbreak. And I just have to read a little bit this so people can get perspective. So they told a spokesperson for the HHS Inspector General, told the Washington Examiner that investigators will carry out at least five reviews related to HHS's planning and response of the COVID-19 outbreak. The HHS watchdog will also drop recommendations for dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. The investigative effort will be spearheaded by Christy Grimm, the principal deputy inspector general who leads HHS's office. Uh, an HHS whistleblower claimed last month that more than a dozen healthcare workers who evaluated the first Americans arriving back in the U.S. from Wuhan, China, where the virus originated, did not have the appropriate training or personal protective equipment to treat possible COVID-19 patients safely. The Democrat-led House Ways and Means Committee sent letters to HHS and the HHS watchdog seeking an investigation. So Democratic Senator, this is comical if this is out of Washington, because Inslee did absolutely nothing to help them over there, Governor Inslee. So Democratic Senator Pat Murray of Washington, a state hit hard early by the coronavirus, including deadly nursing home outbreaks, sent a letter to the HHS Inspector General last week asking for an immediate investigation into all parts of the process processes undertaken by the Department of Health and Human Services to develop, deploy, and analyze diagnostic tests. The, the HHS Inspector General's office said its five inquiries would include a 400-hospital study about the COVID-19 fight to help provide HHS operating and staff divisions and timely feedback on how they can support hospitals in responding to COVID-19, a look at whether long-term care facilities that receive Medicare or Medicaid funds complied with new federal requirements for life, safety, and emergency and infectious disease control preparedness, an evaluation of how HHS staff were deployed, trained, and protected when assigned tasks that could entail potential exposure to COVID-19, an investigation into the emergency preparedness and response plans and procedures at unaccompanied immigrant children facilities, and a review of the HHS watchdog's preparedness plans to inform and assist HHS in its ongoing response efforts. So last Friday, Secretary, HHS Secretary Alex Azar defended the department's work in fighting against the coronavirus. So this is where we're at. And now there, this is, this is going to be the new attack. Right. This is right. What we're going to be seeing now over the next few weeks. Of course. And it's ridiculous. You don't, um, question. Well, I shouldn't say you don't question. Look, you don't do investigations when you're in the middle of right? the crisis. Um, right. And I'm not necessarily, I'm not to negate the severity for some people who have coronavirus. I'm just speaking more and generally about, you know, the world economy kind of shutting down all at once. Um, that because the things they're investigating are things that already took place. So it's not like, you know what I'm saying? It's not like urgent, we have to do this right now instead of focusing our efforts on taking care of the situation at hand. And then let's take a look at this and see how best to proceed forward once we've gotten some things under control. Yeah, but you know the investigations are really an attempt to discredit and undermine whatever Trump is going to do. Um, mm -hmm. and, and provide some sort of, you know, validation or reason why they can say, no, we shouldn't do what Trump's saying. We should do this. And um, this is not the time for that. We need one voice, one task force, um, you know, with the best information. And look, I get it. I, I know that people have valid concerns about Fauci, about what is her name? Bricks? Bricks. Yeah, and, 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 you know, Azar, and um, I understand that. But this is the task force that we have right now. Let's try to uh, just let them do what they need to do as efficiently as possible without the, you know, the cumbersome nature of ridiculous investigations that are merely political 
and politically driven in order to undermine Trump. That's all it is. Well, and see, as, as far as Fossey and Bricks go, so I think most people know I've been working on a book for the last two years on HIV AIDS, the giant slush fund, $90 billion slush fund as it pertains to PEPFAR, the Global Fund, and about 20 other NGOs, all central to Bill Gates and his various nonprofits. And um, BRICS is, you know, was made, I think it was back in like 2014-ish. She was put in charge of PEPFAR, and she's also on the board of the Global Fund. And uh, Fossey has ties with all of this HIV AIDS as well. And in fact, uh, Amazing Polly did a great video um, pertaining to those two. So people should check that out. Um, because all of this ties together. I did that, you know, that two hour long video trying to explain the healthcare industry and who owns it and how they run it. And what people need to understand is, yes, it's alarming when we see these two standing next to Trump, that they're on this task force. But you got to understand these people, meaning Bill Gates, the UN, who, you know, they're all tied together. They are the ones that have been driving and controlling the healthcare industry for decades. They are the ones with the money. They are the ones doing all the manipulation and they are in bed with all of deep state and the elite. So they've literally controlled the science. They will not allow, you know, um, any rebuttal scientific evidence to come out. They will squash it. They will call it a hoax. So they control all of this. So when people say, well, why don't we have other people in there? Well, in a quick emergency off the cuff, imagine trying to get people in who've never worked at that level in those departments before, and they have to somehow jump in and take the reins um, that aren't already corrupt because your, your top tiers in the healthcare industry are all corrupt and owned. So, I personally feel that, you know, his hands forced on that one. They, whereas they may be corrupt, most likely, given the people they are affiliated with and knowing full well that the HIV AIDS is a big slush fund. So, but who, who are you going to call? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can't just pull some other scientists because they've, they have kept those top tiers packed with their people for so long. It's like asking someone who works at, you know, a scientific lab or a university or what have you, who hasn't been corrupted to somehow come in and take charge of a global pandemic. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. It, but it's Trump very is, tricky to do. Trump, Trump has his hands on every single bit of it 24-7. I don't even think the man sleeps. It's crazy. But, well, well, but I'm telling you, I think that if, if Fauci um, or Briggs just like overstep their bounds or go outside of their – if they don't stay in their lanes, I guarantee you Trump will get rid of them. But – you know, and I, and I could see, uh, I know that they were, there was kind of like this tiff, this made up, you know, battle between Trump and, and Fauci. Uh, but, you know, Fauci did go and, and kind of contradict Trump when Trump came out about, you know, having positive um, expectations for hydrochloroquine. And Fauci kind of contradicted that. And then he kind of walked it back. Okay, mm -hmm. so I can see that that Fauci kind of got checked. He got checked and, and he got put back in his lane. Um, not that, not that uh, you know, I mean, I understand that he's, uh, he's highly intelligent. He probably has a lot of information and a lot of experience to provide. But like you had said, he has probably been corrupted a little bit. He has some hubris. Um, he's worked with these these people and been kind of trained in a certain way to believe a certain thing for his entire career. And it's really hard to go outside of that. It's like a fish that doesn't know they're wet, you know? Um, right. Good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that Trump's got his hands in all of it and he's not going to let you know, Fauci kind of take the reins or Bricks take the reins. Trump's got the reins, you know, he's listening 
but I think he's the one that's got the reins, you know? Well, and here's another thing. So Giuliani, a couple weeks ago, I know I brought this up in one of our podcasts, but he did, um, he was covering the fact that the Trump administration is like the first administration that's actually doing an investigation into three and a half billion dollars that went over to the Ukraine and money was funneled through to a bogus HIV AIDS and there's ties in with George Soros and all of that. And so, um, and again, amazing Polly did uh, a video on that, uh, not on that specifically, but on Burks when, you know, with the memo being head of PEPFAR um, had, had, there was a memo between her and Jovanovic, the ambassador over there, which they've removed. And Giuliani's very aware of all the dealings over there in Ukraine. So I suspect uh, that tells, I mean, Trump's got to know. He's got to know because they're already investigating a tie-in with the HIV AIDS. So it would be impossible not to know because she would have been the one, even if it went through, so I was trying to think about that because there's a lot of different departments that are in charge of, you know, dispensing the funds, allocating the funds that for foreign aid. But then I believe he said in that particular case, it was USAID. Well, PEPFAR, PEPFAR funnels out a lot of funds through a lot of agencies, 18 billion just to the global fund, which is Bill Gates. Um, so, so I just, I got to believe that Giuliani knows this. There is an investigation going on into that small piece of the pie. So just, there's got to be eyes on him. Of course. When did Bill Gates become a scientist, by the way? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, when did that happen? Because that's been playing on my mind lately. Oh, but when when where did, did he start get getting into viruses and all that shit? Thought he built but now is the the like his TED talks blown up lately on um, on YouTube as well because apparently he called this pandemic uh, five six years ago. Of mm -hmm. course, <laughs> of course he did. It's like CNN bringing Sean Penn on. Well, what do you think we should be doing right now? Because apparently he's an expert because he worked with the Clintons in Haiti. So he knows how to handle these things. And well, we need to bring in the military and the National Guard. I was yeah. laughing when I saw that. Yeah, We're bringing Penn. actors on now to tell us how we should handle things. I know, right? Well, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and I think that this, if, if anything positive comes from this, there's a few things, but it does shine a lot of light and kind of wake people up to things that they may not have been a, a awake about earlier. And obviously gives us time to ponder these things because we're not working. Uh, or right. a lot of us aren't. Um, but you know, nothing's changed for me, actually. I've been working at home for, for years. Me too. <laughs> But um, so, yeah, but people are kind of seeing the Democrats in a whole new light, the way they handled this whole stimulus bill. They're seeing Hollywood in a whole new light, the way they're acting just completely insane. And even like the Vatican and the priests, you know, the, the Pope came out and said, you don't have to, um, to confess your sins to priests, you confess them to, directly to God. Well, maybe some people will kind of, you know... <laughs> Um, have, you know, some, some different thoughts, I guess, about uh, the whole structure of the Vatican, the Pope, um, and Catholicism in general. This is not um, in any way meant to um, degrade Catholics out there. Uh, I love Catholics. Um, I'm just talking about just the whole structure, especially in those higher tiers. It's, it's really just shining a light on a lot of things um, right. and let, giving us time to ponder these things. So maybe that is a positive that, you know, emerges from this whole thing. Right, right. Well, and also I just want to mention, because um, I think some people might find this helpful. Um, this week, I also released an article called Confused, How to Compartmentalize Fact from Fiction and Plausibility, because the number one comment I see, like in my notifications on social media or in comments on my website is, I'm so confused, I don't know what or who to believe anymore. And, and that's totally understandable, because there's so much information flying at once. And so... 
um, I, I break down how to kind of compartmentalize information and how to filter through it and how to break it off into these categories and save your mind because <laughs> it's, you know, you can get really caught up and lost in something and piss away an entire day on something that's really not that pertinent or relevant, or there was not a shred of evidence provided and you've just wasted your time only to find out a couple days later it was a total hoax. So I tried, tried my best to break down sort of, um, sort of how, how I process through things and hopefully people will find that helpful. And you're doing an article um, that we're actually publishing Friday on Peter Nygaard. So tell everyone about that. Yeah, uh, Peter Nygaard, uh, we talked about it a couple of times, I think, in podcasts weeks ago. But look, I just, I had to put that dig on hold because really everybody's lives got put on hold for a couple of weeks. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, uh, but I picked that back up because I was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm just ready to keep moving forward. And so put that um, dig out and uh, that's published today on your site. Thank you for publishing it. And we'll have a YouTube video coming out on that um, real soon as well. Um, and it's just all about uh, the striking similarities between Peter Nygaard and Jeffrey Epstein and Nygaard's Island. This story reads like a bad soap opera. It's really <laughs> insane. Uh, the um, just the the twists and turns. So it's interesting. Check it out. Yeah, definitely. You know what we haven't talked about yet? Maduro. Yeah, well, that just broke today. Big news. Yeah, yeah big yeah. news. Good news. Good news. Great news. Yeah, so the um, DOJ announced on Wednesday that former president of Venezuela, Nic Nicolas Maduro, and 14 current and former Venezuelan officials were charged I'm sorry, not on Wednesday, but on Thursday. And they're charged um, with narco-terrorism, corruption, drug trafficking, and other criminal charges. Maduro himself has been charged with narco-terrorism, conspiracy to import hundreds of tons of cocaine into the United States, and related weapons offenses. And the charges carry a mandatory minimum of 50 years with a max of life in prison. Uh, we do, I think, have a short clip that we want to play for you guys um, of the presser that the DOJ did on Thursday of, uh, of this, this, uh, this announcement. This is Maduro, the leader of the Cartel of the Sons. He is charged, along with his co-defendants, with conspiracy to commit narco-terrorism, conspiracy to import hundreds of tons of cocaine into the United States, and related weapons offenses. These charges carry with them a mandatory minimum sentence of 50 years imprisonment and a maximum sentence of life. Maduro is currently in Venezuela, but he may travel outside of Venezuela. And if anyone is aware of such travel, we also want them to be aware that the State Department has offered a reward of $15 million for the capture for the uh, conviction of Maduro. Okay, so there's a $15 million bounty for the capture of Maduro. And uh, so that's pretty crazy. I'm, I, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, that money. <laughs> so for just a little bit of backstory on Maduro, since 1999, he's allegedly been involved in... Um, working with the cartels and being a leader of this cartel called the Cartel of the Sons. And he was the vice president of Venezuela. Uh, he succeeded Hugo Chavez as his, after his death in 2013. And during his presidency, he even was trafficking cocaine, according to this um, DOJ presser. And in 2018, Maduro declared a victory in the presidential election, but in 2019, the Venezuelan Assembly declared that Maduro usurped power and that he wasn't the president. And instead, they recognized Juan Guiado. So, 
apparently they've frozen assets of about $450 million in relation to this um, drug trafficking operation um, headed by Maduro. Two things that just pop out to me is, number one, this is a huge deal. This is bigger than El Chapo. It's bigger than Project Python, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I mean, these are, they are going hard after these cartels. If you were not aware of how the DOJ has been going after cartels pretty much since Trump has been in office, then you would be aware now, I would think. Um, also, what pops out to me is the timing of this amidst, you know, just on the heels of Project Python, and which was a few weeks ago, but also in the midst right. of the whole coronavirus outbreak. The timing is interesting. What do you guys think about that? Oh, definitely. I would like to see one of these a week. That would be, <laughs> that would be wonderful. Um, let's take down some child trafficking rings while we're at it. But like, look, all the, all those countries are narco states. I was saying that back when Bolivia was getting overtaken, their leaders get power, their leaders keep power, their leaders keep the country running by selling drugs. They work with the cartels. All of them do. Ecuador, Bolivia, Uruguay, they're all they're all narco states. And the deep state was working with the narco states and allowing drugs to be trafficked. I mean, at the peak of uh, Maduro's drug trafficking operation, well, who was in office? Um, so, you know, if we're cutting off the funding and freezing assets um, of these cartels, we're essentially, by proxy, cutting off the funding of the deep state, wouldn't you say? 100%. Well, that's yeah. also where border control comes into it. Yeah. Well, they don't want it. <laughs> but yeah, no, so it's good to see all these things kind of ticking along slowly. Well, and as we're talking, I'm looking in here just to see if there's any breaking news. And I see, <laughs> I see the speaker caught on this one. <laughs> Another migrant caravan is heading to the U.S. border. Oh, you see that one? <laughs> what? I, yeah, I commented it while we we're doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so Charlie Kirk posted. He says, "While we suffer the strain of the China virus, we can't afford to let a sing let a single unchecked, unvetted, possibly unhealthy illegal alien enter the country." Yeah. So. Well, yeah, and you have to be we have to be aware of that. We have to be vigilant because this is the time where um, you know rogue regimes or terrorist organizations or individuals. Um, are going to try to pop something off because they see that we're in a time where we're distracted. So and, we're, and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So vigilance is important, um, and I, I, you know, I trust that they are um, keeping an eye on it. I saw something about a thwarted terrorist attempt as well, and then I saw that. Um, just as a side note, uh, I saw that uh, the DOJ was prosecuting people who are. Um, intentionally spreading coronavirus, say if you have it and you know you have it and you're going around licking things, like we've seen these viral videos of idiots licking, you oh, know, <laughs> subway poles or whatever. Millennials. Uh, oh, you know what? That's another point I want to make that I covered in my article. Because well, let me just finish my sentence real quick. So the DOJ, Sorry, is, the DOJ is prosecuting individuals that get caught doing that as, as terrorists. Interesting. Yeah, domestic terrorists. So, so what we're seeing, though, is it's like the toilet paper hoax. People are like, well, I don't understand. why. How did we get to this point? Why are people hoarding toilet paper? It doesn't make sense. Well, it's because when you propagate videos, it seeds the minds of people. It catches on very quickly, and boom, next thing you know, you have a, a trend, a panic, fear, and what I'm seeing now over the past week is videos coming out where people are going into stores with just sunglasses and a hat on right in front of the cameras and stealing stuff. And, and it's intimidating people and making people scared or like what you were just talking about, that it, it, it's another way to keep people in, to keep them in their homes. And I highly suspect this is propaganda campaigns, not to say there aren't people capable of this stuff, but when we keep seeing this 
over and over again and, and you know their game and you know how they push propaganda to create social disruption, chaos, fear, division, you name it. So whenever I see these videos, I just, I just laugh. I just ignore them because I really do believe it's all to further push this agenda. Right. I think that it is, um, you know, they <laughs> kind of feeds on itself, but they definitely get, um, it does go viral quickly. There's, there's, a, lo there's a lot of clap in it. There's a lot of what? Clap. Yeah. yeah. Clap. So like um, popularity. Clouds are drugs for these for these kids, man. The clicks, mm -hmm. the likes, the and I I think one guy did it the other day with some deodorant in a store, and he's looking at five years jail. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Well, the Indianapolis Five Hundred just postponed until August due to COVID nineteen. Oh, we've got the entire footy seasons down here is cancelled. Yeah, but the, the Olympics is staying on for, I think, is it 2021 is the Olympics? Uh, yeah, it just got postponed, pushed back, I think. Did it? it? Yeah, it was 2020. It was this year. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. We should talk about what's going on in your neck of the woods, Speaker. Yeah, update us. Oh, same old. Well, we're, we're all non-existential services are closed down. I mean, they've closed down the sports which is fair enough. Um, but, um, yeah, so the AFL and all that's gone, which is, like, huge for us. The bad thing about that, though, is 80% of the staff for the season have been fired, or which, which is, well, there's just there's nothing for them to do. So mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of families there. There's a lot, a lot of people that work with the AFL industry down here. Um, so that's absolutely terrible. But there is a job job losses and stuff. I mean, our business is doing pretty tough. All my father's business have been helping him with it. But um, I, like, there's a there's a gym that I go to private training. All gyms uh, got shut down. I mm. think they had like 48 hours before they had to close, which is like devastating for them. But my, 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 train, my trainer's kind of spent like the last three days moving his whole business to virtual. I mean, you have to find a way to do something. So he's right. Quite a clever dude. So he's he's like put down the membership prices and has kind of moved all his classes to digital, which is kind of cool. I guess he's got a new yeah. out of that. He saw an opportunity. Uh, but but there's a lot of businesses out there, especially like gyms and stuff within the city area, where their rent is like thirty, forty thousand dollars a month. Wow, it's massive. So. Yeah. So are they working on any kind of stimulus program for you guys? I think they are, but we haven't really seen any of it at the moment. At the moment, they're just trying to quote, <clears throat> keep, keep the numbers down as low as possible. Um, but I haven't, I haven't looked into any packages or anything, which I'm probably going to have to do in a couple of days. So. It's just, it's, you know, you say the 48 hours. It's like the same playbook in every country. Uh -huh. These people just flooding the message everywhere. I, I, I DM'd Edge this morning. I'm like, hey, Edge. And it was a bit moji of me where the little viruses, cartoon characters were around my face. And it says, don't touch your face. I'm like, even <laughs> emojis in on it. Oh, of course. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's, of course. it's just, yeah, these people know how to flood a message. All right. They do. And, and people just need to be vigilant and, Please, please reduce the, the fear and panic level and, and see everything clearly for what it is. Um, I know that, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, you know, we can see their game. We see what they're trying to pull. I do think we're going to be back to work sooner than later. I do feel confident that these drugs are, we're already seeing them starting to work. So uh, as far as the vaccine goes, I'm not as confident that we're not going to see a vaccine. So I think we need to keep our eyes on the ball with that, especially with um, Gates wanting to do his whole, you know, digital crap chips. ID oh, 2020. ID 2020. No, no way. And, um, so, you know, we just, I, I, I just, I don't want people to be depressed. I mean, I know it's kind of hard right now with everything going on, but 
I do think we're going to, we're going to pull out of this. We're going through some interesting times. I hope that, I hope that this, you know, these drug arrests that we're going to start seeing some other kinds of arrests. Um, I'm, I'm not of the belief that this is some major takedown of deep state. Um, not yet. I'm not seeing the evidence to that yet. Um, but I do think over time we will see some of that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to finish off, kids. Yeah, I just want to give like a quick update on my neck of the woods. I mean, if you just set your phone down or turn the TV off and you look outside or you just kind of walk your dog in the neighborhood or whatever, uh, it's peaceful. And there's yep. families together. There's families together. And they're spending a lot of time together. And so that is not a bad thing that, you know, there's a lot of um, – of that going on right now, uh, just getting back right. to some basics and having time to reflect. So I, I understand that's not the case everywhere. There are people suffering. I'm not demeaning that in any way, but I'm just saying that there are some silver linings that I'm choosing to look at. Take advantage of the situation. People yeah. need to take advantage of it in a positive manner. And like you said, I was just walking my dog along the river yesterday so many people on bikes and parents with their little kids and people walking their dogs. And it was, it was nice to see, you know, um, I think it's interesting. I was talking with a friend about this last night. For some reason, a lot of people just aren't comfortable spending time with themselves. Like they need that distraction of work. They need to keep busy. They have a hard time, um, are they antsy, you know, and I mean, I could self-entertain 24-7, <laughs> but I just, uh, I, I hope that people will, like you said, you know, like reflecting and, and do getting out in nature and trying to take advantage of it in a positive way while we have, while we have the time. This is true. So we just want yeah. to thank all the followers and all our Patreons that are still sticking with us at this time. We're going to yeah. still keep popping, pumping out content as much as we can. Um, so you definitely still get that from us. We'll still be here. To, we love absolutely. you all, guys. We are with this, with you together. We're in it together. And, uh, yeah, all the way. Absolutely. Beautiful. All right. Until next week. <laughs> Until next week. Thanks for joining us here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We are now on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and, of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Enjoy nature. <laughs>